0: Hello, and welcome to the CBC The Rim podcast. We're glad you found us. CBC The Rim is a church in San Antonio, Texas. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us at cbctherim.com. We hope you enjoy the message. Yeah. Well, CBC The Rim, welcome. Uh, It is, I think, officially fall. Uh, It went like from 95 degrees to 55 really quick like the weather saw a highway patrol uh and so man it feels good to kind of get to be able to put a jacket and enjoy it we're so glad that you guys are here my name is jewisham and i'm one of the pastors and uh, it really is an honor to get to just serve and lead and i just been looking around can't believe that we get to be a part of what god's doing in this part uh, of town and so if you're new here welcome uh one of the things that we value is you getting connected and actually being a part of the family and we don't desire for this just to be an event that you kind of swing in and attend. We actually want you to get connected. And so maybe this is your first time, or you've been kind of checking us out for a few weeks, like the all of five weeks that we've been hanging out. Uh, that, But you haven't had a chance to get connected. Well, we would love to do that. And the easiest way To get connected is to take a second to fill out a connection card and I'm not sure uh, if you got handed one of these on your way in if not there's a lot of them in the lobby space and this this connection card is just the easiest way for you to get connected at the top you can kind of fill out some information to let us know a little bit about yourself Whatever you feel comfortable with, we promise we're not going to bother you uh, or sell your information. Uh, but it is important for us to be able to connect with you. So uh, if you do fill it out right legibly, that's important. Uh, a lot of you have kind of asked, been like, hey, uh, I filled one of those out and uh, I haven't gotten an email uh, or any information. And it's just because your email bounced back. So uh, there's a couple of boxes you can interact and let us know kind of what's going on in your life and things that are inter- that you're interested in uh, that we can kind of plug you into. Uh, the one thing I wanna highlight, this is super important, is at the bottom uh, of the connection card, there's a blank space uh, for you to write any kind of prayer request that you've, maybe things that are going on in your life. As a church and as a staff member, we want to be praying for those things. And so there's nothing too small or nothing too big. Like we want to enter into that with you. And so um, please let us know what's going on in your life so we can be praying for you. Uh, also, we mentioned this last week uh, that we were talking about and dreaming about doing a baptism uh, service in uh, a few weeks. We're not, we are not—we don't have a clue how that's going to work because uh, we can't bring water into this gym. But we do have this amazing uh, courtyard that we're going to try to figure this out. So if that's something, if you have never taken a step of, of getting baptized and following Jesus in obedience with that step, uh, let us know. And that's if that's something you're interested in, we'd love to give you more information and uh, connect you about that. And the last thing I have before uh, kind of going to the next thing is, if you are a college student, any college students in the room tonight? You don't have to raise your hand. You can make some noise. It's so awkward. And you're like, yeah, yeah, there they are. I love you. Uh, a lot of them, they kind of sleep in and go to the 7 p.m. Um, and so... But the college students, uh, man, as a church, man, we don't want to just be available to college students. We want to be a church for college students, especially with UTSA, a little just across the road. And so we, uh, a bunch of us, are going to the Passion Conference uh, at the end of December, early January. And we would love for you to be a part of that. It's in Atlanta. It's at the Mercedes-Benz. And uh, so if that's something, if you're a college student, this is definitely the way you want to spend your New Year's. And so we love, love, love for you to get some more information. And so if you want to, you can just put the word passion on the connection card and we will send you tomorrow morning all the information that you need for that. So, perfect. Well. If, if you are new or, like I said, you're just kind of checking us out, uh, we are in week four uh, of a sermon series. We just called Six Practices. And uh, the first week, uh, we said that when I mean, we are a church that's anchored in Scripture. So we got the cool little anchor uh, just as kind of a piece to help us remember. And then two weeks ago, we talked about we're a family on mission. And then last week we talked about we're disciples that make disciples. And if you were here last week, the fact that you're back again, uh, congratulations, uh, you like graduated. We were really nervous that after last week's hard message, you weren't coming back, and you're here. And so either you weren't here last week, and so you have no clue what I'm talking about, and so, uh, or uh, you've just kind of kind of taken a commitment to just step in to being family. And either way, we're, we're so glad that you're here. Well, tonight we have a, a special guest uh, that's in the house that really needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway, uh, just because he's, uh, man, uh, just a dear friend. And so two years ago, we had this crazy idea uh, to to move to San Antonio, um, all because of Pastor Ed wouldn't stop calling. And... Uh, tricked us into moving into San Antonio and tricked us into falling in love with the city and the people of the city. And the whole time and the whole vision was to move here and to plant this church. And not just this church, but more, like lots of churches to come, which we'll get to talk about next week. But um, man, I, I, I love this man dearly. And he's someone that I love that my nine-month-old daughter will get to call pastor And not only that, but he's someone that I call uh, a best friend. And uh, and I mean this, Pastor, I'm not saying this because you're in this room. There's just no one else I'd rather link my life up with. And I'd I'd follow you anywhere and trust you with my whole heart. And so it is a huge honor to get to have you, not just this week, but uh, with this this rotation uh, of once a month, or at least every few weeks, getting to have you come into this house and to speak to our people as our global pastor. And so listen, CBC The Rim, many of you know Pastor Ed, many of you, this may be your first time uh, to meet him, and you're in for an amazing treat, but I need you to do me a huge favor, and I need you to make him feel very, very welcome. He's pretty shy, and so if you would, would you put your hands together and show some love for Pastor Ed Newton? Yeah, get up on your feet.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, be seated. Come on. That was incredible. Thank you. If you could do that for us at Go Canyon every weekend, that would be amazing. Well, my name is Ed. It's an honor to be here tonight. And One of the realities of the rhythm of church planting is it's not for the faint of heart. That is, when you can't get into a facility until 3 o'clock, you have a team, the dream team, that begins to step up and they put it into another gear and get all of this ready for you. But alongside of that is a pastor that casts vision and also is in the trenches. And Pastor Drew is not only an amazing man of God, but he's an incredible servant of God. And in that rhythm of church planning, it's very significant that you understand this. Being a leader as a pastor is more than just preaching. It's coming alongside of people. It's being a shepherd and it's smelling like sheep, if that makes sense. That the space from this stage into the rows would not be a long distance, but a short walk. And therefore, to be able to step into this space allows a dear brother, a very close friend, to get back about 30 hours of sermon preparation that he puts into every single week to deliver fresh bread. And what I mean by fresh bread, I'm talking about Krispy Kreme with the red light on Does that make sense to anybody else in the room? This is not something that he has heated up. This is not something that he's microwaved. This is not something that he's kind of refurbed from some other talk that he gave across the country. That every week he's asking God to give him a word for you. And to be able to give him some space. To get 30 hours a a week this week back. To be able to pour into his family. To love you well is the highest honor to be able to give you that time back and be able to just come alongside this series. And as we talk about radical generosity, I begin to think about the moment where I was a high school senior. I just found out that I'd received a 540 on my SAT. And for some of you that don't know what that means, that is a perfect score in SAT. That is the standard achievement test. That is a perfect score. is a 1600. It was rumored if you spell your name correctly, you will automatically get 400 points. And with a name like Ed, that should not be too difficult. And it was 1994, the month of April, and I was about to graduate from high school, and I just found out I made a 540 on my SAT. I took it again, got a 560, brought up my test scores by 20 points. My mom literally said this to me. My my parents are both deaf. She actually signed this to me. She said, did you misspell your name? I was like, Mom, thank you so much. I appreciate you being an encouragement in my life. So all that to say, I felt quite dejected. But there was a moment on a Sunday evening... Where the preacher was talking about being completely surrendered to God. Being all in. Exactly what we heard in this video. That we would love loudly. We would worship wholeheartedly. We would serve sacrificially. And we would give generously. And I walked forward that evening as a high school senior just making a 540 on the SAT. Surrendering my life to God. I walked right up to the preacher. And as I walked right up to the preacher, my first qualifying statement was, hey, my name's Ed, and I need you to know that God spoke to me tonight, but I just made a 540 on my SAT, and I just need you to know if God could use me, I say yes. He looked at me, and he said something. He said, young man, I need you to never forget this for the rest of your life. He said, when it comes to serving God, it has nothing to do with your ability, but has everything to do with your availability, And I said, sir, if that's true, here I am, Lord, send me. And when we talk about radical generosity, Winston Churchill said it this way, it's by what we get that we make a living, but it's by what we give that we make a legacy. And we want to be known as a church that makes a legacy. The conversation in regards to money gets really weird in churches, but we have demonstrated something quite significant, and I need you to understand the DNA of this church. We don't pass offering plates, not because offering plates are bad, but oftentimes people are put off by offering plates. So what we have is we have giving boxes. We also have giving kiosks. We don't talk about money often. The only time we ever talk about money is what we're going to do with money. We operate in fiscal transparency and fiscal transparency leading to responsibility. It's one of the reasons why we're in a gym because we believe in being debt-free as a church. We believe that we could do more when we don't owe anybody anything. I realize that's an old-school model, but Pastor Drew has embraced that. That's who we are as a church. It's the reason why we're meeting in this space, and we're in no rush. We want to make sure that what we build is family because the church is not a building. The church is a body, and we need each other. We link arms together. And so tonight's subject matter, as we talk about radical generosity, it is about our time. It is about our talents. But it's also about our treasure. Jesus spoke about us being fully submitted and fully surrendered to him. That what we would seek after is that we would say, all of me belongs to all of you. And everything that I have, I will not live with a tight fist, but instead with an open hand. See, God's looking for people that he could bless. God's looking for people that he could open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing to people that he could trust with the blessing. And God blesses people. And so the principle of radical generosity is bless people, bless people. And as we live that way, it's an open-handed mindset that, God, I'm not an owner of anything, but I'm a steward of everything. So let me just say this from the jump of this message. Tonight we're going to talk about giving. Understanding holistically giving is our whole life in the offering plate, if you will. It's our time, our treasure, and our talent. But tonight we're going to talk about money. And here's the reason why we need to talk about money, because I need us to understand when Jesus talks about money, it's not about the amount. It's about the attitude of our heart in giving. So if you're new with us here at CBC, one of the realities of our church family is As a family of churches at CBC, we don't talk about money often, but when we do, we talk about what we're going to do with it for the kingdom of God. And when we make a decision in regards to that, it's based upon this principle that we look at found in Matthew chapter 6. So if you got a Bible, would you join with me at Matthew chapter 6? We're going to look at four verses tonight. I'm going to encourage you to write down a few principles. You'll forget 85% of everything that I say if you don't write something down. By the way, I'm not that impressive to captivate your attention for the next 25 minutes, but what is going to happen at the end of this service, you do not want to miss because as we hear God's word, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God's word in meeting the needs of people in this room. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the scripture quite clearly says this, beware Of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, when we talk about radical generosity, we have to begin to transition from this idea of what is in it for me to getting to a place where it's not about me. Oftentimes we give to get. But could we understand that radical generosity begins with the idea of not giving to get, but to understand that the reward of giving is to be a part of what we would call the kingdom economy, that when we begin to give, we begin to ultimately live out what God has intended for us to live out because he freely gives, and because he freely gives, we should live loudly. Therefore, love is a verb, and therefore it should reverb. And worship is more than a song. Worship is a way of life. Serving sacrificially and radical generosity is understanding that we're not called to bib mentality, but apron mentality. For those of you that are raising babies, you understand a bib and an apron are made of the same fabric. The only difference is the location. The bib says, it's all about me. The apron says, it's all about you. And let me serve you. What's the difference? The placement. Radical generosity is about the posture and the placement of all that God has given us. That God, you've given me something not to make it about me, bib mentality, but to make it about serving others. And when we begin to live that way, here's what we begin to do. We give generously. And Jesus speaks to that when he says, beware of practicing your righteousness. Now, I mentioned earlier that both of my parents are deaf. Which means that I'm a fluent sign language speaker. Words such as mom, dad were some of my very first words. Milk, more, cookies, which is a beautiful order how that works. But when we think about this word, beware or be careful. I want to teach you a sign language motion tonight, allowing you to become maybe even bilingual or trilingual. So everybody make a peace sign, all right? So everybody make a peace sign, both hands. And then I want you to take those peace signs and I want you to put them together like this. And I want you to hit your hands twice like this. That's the word, be careful. I asked a deaf person in our congregation at the Go Canyon campus. I said, my whole life I've known that word to be where or be careful as the sign language motion. I said, why? And he shared with me. He said, the idea of looking, this is the sign for looking, and so when you look with both eyes, therefore putting them together, you're looking cautiously. Here's the reason why. With your eyes up, noticing what's around you. And Jesus says, I need you to, come on, make this hand motion with me tonight. Be careful. Why does he say be careful? Because oftentimes our eyes are not looking forward. Our eyes are looking at ourself. We make it all about us. And the reason why Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen is because oftentimes we make generosity about ourselves and not about other people. I want you to notice this phrase. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness. The word righteousness is a legal term. It means to be justified. That is, God looks at us just as if We've never sinned. I love Romans 3.23, but it's the verse after it that sets it up. Romans 3.23 says this for all of sin fall short of the glory of God. It was a reminder. Can I use improper English tonight? Ain't, ain't nobody perfect in this place. And when we understand that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, you need to know verse 24 says this being justified freely by his grace. So we are made righteous not by our religion. Not by our performance. And when Jesus says beware of practicing your righteousness, notice the personal pronoun in the verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness. He says that we possess righteousness. You may not feel righteous. We may not be living righteous. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, whether you feel like it or whether you're living it, I need you to know that God looks at you through the finished work of Jesus just as if You've never sinned. Come on. Can we clap to that tonight? That's an incredible promise that we are fully known and fully loved. And so Jesus puts it in the context of righteousness. Here's the reason why. Because most people think that they can get righteousness by giving generous. You don't get righteousness by giving generously. You get righteousness by grace alone and faith alone, by Christ alone. And because he freely gave to us. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. And so because of the righteousness that God's given us, we give because he first gave to us. So because we have righteousness, our response is, I want to give. I don't give to get heaven. I give because I got heaven. I don't give to get forgiven. I give because I am forgiven. I I don't give to make God love me more. I give because he fully loved me when I was an enemy of him and not even in his family. So point number two, write this down. Not only do we see, not only do we see, I didn't even give you point number one. Did I give you point number one? Let me give you point number one. Number one, write this down. He challenges our mindset he challenges our mindset while you still got your pens keep those pens out I'll give you now point number 2 not only does he challenge our mindset number 2 he corrects our motivation he corrects our motivation now understanding that giving is in multiple dimensions of our life tonight we're just talking about finances but when it comes to giving understanding it's our time it's our talent it's our treasure It's living a life in open-handedness. So Jesus first begins with challenging our mindset that we have righteousness, so we don't give to make God love us more. He loves us fully. But number two, you wrote this down. He corrects our motivation. Listen to verse two. Thus, when you give to the needy. Notice he says, when you give. Not if you give, but give to the needy. Can we just go ahead and make this statement? All of us in this room are needy. We're all needy. All of us have emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, financial needs, medical needs. All of us got a need in this place. Nobody in this space is with with the ability to say, I have no need. We need oxygen. We need friendship. We need acceptance. And so when Jesus says, if there's anybody in your midst that's in need, understand don't sound the trumpet before you as you give, as verse two says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, when I talk about correcting our motivation, that is number one, he challenges our mindset. Number two, he corrects our motivation. So so why do we give? We we don't give to be seen. Now, there's three statements I want you to write underneath point number two, once more highlighting the fact that you'll forget 85% of stuff I share tonight if you don't write some stuff down. There's three things I want you to write underneath point number two. It could be letter A, letter B, letter C. When Jesus talks about giving, he says, don't broadcast it. Don't broadcast it. Don't sound the trumpet. Now, in my research tonight, just getting ready for this particular message, Preaching this last weekend at our church, now tonight, at this incredible church called The Rim that I dearly love, and I'm honored to be here tonight. We don't give to broadcast it. When the scripture uses this passage that is, don't sound the trumpet, I've found no research where somebody gave and sounded a musical instrument known as a trumpet. So it caused me to go CSI on the Bible. I'm talking about crime scene investigator. I just had to examine. I'm like, why would Jesus say don't blow the trumpet? Was anybody blowing the trumpet when they gave? And the answer is no. But in the synagogue, one of the things that you need to know, there was a receptacle at the front of the synagogue that was dedicated to give alms for the poor. And oftentimes, religious people, for many of you, you've not grown up in church. I didn't grow up in church either until I got Radically changed and transformed by Jesus as a high school kid. So I needed somebody to kind of slow the roll and explain some stuff to me. So that receptacle would have been put at the front of the church, alms for the poor. And that particular receptacle, many commentators and theologians would say, was shaped like a trumpet. That is, it had a wide opening, narrow neck, broad base, and it was made of metal. So the religious leaders known as the Pharisees, and this is the part where I didn't understand this growing up as a kid. I was like, what's the Pharisees? Religious group of people that found their righteousness in their performance. For anybody else in the room is going, hey, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Just think Paul Blart, the mall cop. They're just, they're just following all the rules and restrictions and basically making everybody else jump through the hoops and check the boxes. And so the Pharisees would come forward in front of everybody with hands full of coins. And they would slow drop the coins into this receptacle as if everybody can hear. And Jesus goes, when you give to the needy, Don't sound the trumpet. They weren't blowing the musical instrument known as the trumpet, but they were slow-dropping coins in front of everybody. And at that moment, Jesus goes, you got your reward. You know what your reward was? Everybody got a chance to see you and went, wow, how generous are they? Jesus goes, don't broadcast it. And then he says this, letter B, write this down, don't broadcast it. But then he says this, don't Broadway it. You're like, Ed, Jesus didn't say Broadway. It's the word hypocrite. Do you know in the scripture, verse 2, it says, as the hypocrites. The word hypocrite is where we get the word two-faced. And the idea of two-faced comes from theater where one would wear a mask assuming a role that was not true of their own character. So Jesus says, don't wear two faces. Don't be theatrical. Don't not only broadcast it, but don't Broadway it. Don't try to be theatrical about it as if you are living as if you're somebody else. That what you do in the house of God would be so evident in what you do outside the four walls of this space. And that the reward is not to be seen by men or women to be applauded and affirmed by others, but instead that you would know it's not the amount that you give, it's the attitude in which you give. And so Jesus says, don't broadcast it, don't billboard it, would be the letter C that I'd love for you to write down. He says that you may find your praise from others. Truly I say that you have received your reward, and so don't broadcast it, don't broadway it, don't billboard it, that you may be praised. What does it mean to billboard it? That you walk around telling everybody what you just gave. I've met a lot of folks in my day that would somehow, some way, want me to know what they're giving to the church. I've met some folks along the way that would just like to be recognized for their giving. And I'll recognize them. I'll even write them a thank you note. But one of the principles you need to know that I live by and Pastor Drew lives by, we don't know what a single member of our congregations give I don't even know what our staff gives at the Gold Canyon campus, and I do that on purpose. The only person I know who gives is my wife and I because I never want to fall prey to the temptation of treating people differently because of what they give. So it's just better I don't know, and Pastor Drew's going to live by that as well. So we can look at people, not that we ever would, but we don't want to ever fall prey to that particular temptation. So when we think about this idea of giving, not to Broadway it or billboard it, or even broadcast it, then really what is the correct motivation leading into a correct methodology? Point number three, write this down. I want you to see that now Jesus in verse three and four begins to command our methodology. So how do we give? Number one, he challenges our mindset. Number two, he corrects our motivation. Number three, he commands our methodology. He says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Have you ever thought about that? How is it possible for your right hand not to know what your left hand is doing? How many of you are right-handed? Would you raise your hand? How many of you are left-handed? I love that. It's impossible for whether you're left-handed to somehow, some way, keep it a secret from your right hand. It's impossible for your right hand not to know what your left hand is doing. But in essence, the way this practically works out is that Jesus would say that what we do would be so evident that it would be so anonymous that even your other hand wouldn't know it. And that's an impossible statement, but this is the motivation and the methodology in which Jesus is sharing this. There's a story that I heard just here recently, a couple days ago, that one of our church members paid for a young man's haircut at a local barber shop. This particular student is a student at Por Vida Academy on the south side of San Antonio. It's one of the schools that we have embraced as a as not only a mission, but also an opportunity to come alongside of at-risk school kids that have been expelled from other schools and given a second chance at Poor Vida Academy. The principal, her name is Lauren. She's a CBCer, and she's loving on these students in Jesus' name. We're in partnership with them. But one of those students was getting a haircut at a local barber shop, and one of our CBCer church members was in the barber shop, and he anonymously paid for that young man's haircut. It was at that moment that that young student had no idea where that haircut money came from. He said, sir, tell me who just paid for my haircut. For those of you that know this, to get a good fade is not cheap. And so all of a sudden, that barber sold out the church member. He was like, it's that dude right there. The young high school student walked over to this man, and before he could even get into the formality, that is, into the introductions of who are you He said, listen, I've never met you in my entire life, but I believe you go to that church called CBC. He automatically put two and two together that that kind of generosity was connected to our church. And so as we operate in a church that desires to give in such a way that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, sometimes we get completely exposed That somewhere along the line, somebody goes, it was that person, but we don't give to be recognized. If that happens, praise be to God. But if it doesn't happen, the scripture says this, he knows. The Lord knows. And so if radical generosity is about him knowing, listen to to verse 3 as it continues on. It says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then, verse 4 that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. One of the things that I used to do before I traveled as, as a, an evangelist is I would begin to make a decision as a dad. My wife and I have four kids. My oldest daughter is 16, her name's London. We have a daughter named Lola, she's 14. We have a daughter named Liv who's 13, and we have a son that we adopted from Africa whose name is Lawson, and he's 11. That's an introductory statement and a prayer request all at the same time. My prayer life is going to the next level as a 16-year-old is beginning to drive. But one of the things that you need to know, as a dad, oftentimes it travels. I was traveling about 200 days a year before I became pastor of the Go Canyon campus. And one of the things that I would do is that I would tell my kids that I'd come back with a reward or a prize. For some of us, we've done that to somehow ease the pain of backing out of that driveway. But one particular morning, I drove through the night. I came into the kitchen. It was about, for me, it was about 6 a.m. And my kids were already up eating breakfast. I dropped my bags in that moment thinking that I would be embraced by all of our kids. And they were sitting at the table. My wife gave me a big kiss. Her name's Stephanie. And at that moment, all of a sudden, one of my daughters, which, by the way, all my kids start with the letter L. I've made a promise to never sell them out publicly in this moment. And so one of my daughters that starts with L all of a sudden goes, Dad, where's the prize? I was like, well, good morning to you. So glad to see you. And it was at that moment that all of a sudden my other daughter, who starts with the letter L, said this to correct her sister. And I've never forgotten this is long as this story continues to be true in my own heart from that moment my daughter said these words dad doesn't have to bring home a surprise every time he walks in the door and then she said this and this is the part that's forever engraved on my heart she said these words because he's the surprise it was at that moment that all of a sudden like everything in me wanted to look at my two daughters and go listen in just a few moments, you're going to go to school, and this smart, intelligent child is going to skip school today, and we're going to go to the mall, and I'm going to buy her anything she wants. That, that's what we're about to do. But that, that didn't happen, of course, but the Spirit of God just spoke in my heart, and I want you to listen to me. How many times do we do what we do in this whole thing of what we call Christianity because we're looking for what's in the hands of Jesus, our Father, and not what's in his heart, that he's The reward but oftentimes we give which is why we had to begin with this idea of we got to transition from what is in it for me instead we move to it's not about me but it's about him and when we understand that he's the reward then all we want to do is give our very best it's the conversation that a mom had with her daughter she gave her little girl a quarter and a dollar It was in that moment in regards to the offering, and it was in that offering conversation. She said, all right, you got the dollar? Good. Here's the quarter. There's going to be a moment where there's going to be an opportunity for you to give an offering, but the choice is yours. At the end of the service, they got back in the car, and the mom said, so what did you give? Did you give the quarter, or did you give the dollar? And all of a sudden, the sweet little girl said this. She said, Mama, I gave the quarter. She said, well, why did you choose to not give the dollar she said i heard the preacher talk about how god loves a cheerful giver and i was thinking about the fact that mom god wants me to be cheerful and i wasn't going to be cheerful if i gave the dollar so i kept the dollar and gave the quarter see being a cheerful giver is understanding something it's not about the amount It's about the attitude of your heart. And when we understand that radical generosity encompasses not only our time, we want to be open-handed with our time. God, you could divinely interrupt my life anytime you want to, and I'll say, yes. My time is not my time. It's your time. And you've appointed every day of my life on this earth. My talents, you gave them to me. And I'll leverage them for the name and for the fame and for the glory of God. For this particular talent, I did not develop on my own. You gave it to me. Yes, I've practiced, but you gave me something to work with. And God, every bit of these resources, whatever your income level may be, God has entrusted to you that for a purpose of not being an owner, but a steward. One of the things that you need to know about the church that we're part of called CBC. Nearly four years ago, I would have been the pastor now almost four years of our Gold Canyon campus as a church, we've sought to live in this idea of radical generosity. And when you own property on 281 and 1604, that is an expensive area of land. We owed about $19 million in facilities, nearly 50 acres, properties, facilities, etc. And all of a sudden, in a moment of the story of CBC, brand-new pastor taking over for a founding pastor, Who is this guy that wears skinny jeans and suit coats and is from Florida and talks a little bit different? Who is this guy? My first year as a pastor in 2016, at the end of my first year, we were already $1.2 million behind budget. I literally drove to the top of our hill at our Go Canyon campus by our digital sign, and I began to pray a prayer on October 3rd, 2016. I said, God, you sent me here to kill me. That's what I said to God. You sent me here to kill me. God, I've never been a pastor before. I was a youth pastor, a college pastor, a traveling evangelist, but I've never been a pastor before. God, thank you so much. You brought me to the city of San Antonio, and now you are going to kill me publicly in regards to the fact that this church is going to go under, and we begin to make some hard decisions. There are three areas and decisions that we had to make in regards to our facility. We closed our facility down on Fridays, and that saved us $300,000. By just simply closing down our facility one day a week. We begin to make decisions in regards to even our listener guide. We used to have holes in the listener guide. And that saved us $10,000. And so I was like, in Jesus' name, punch your own holes in your listener guide. We begin to say stuff like that. But God called us to do something so radical. The reason why we use the word radical October 3rd, at the top of the hill, I just said, God, I don't know what to do. We had to adjust our staff. When I first got to CBC, we had 379 employees. And we had to begin to reduce our staff so that we could right-size our budget. Here's the reason why. So God would give us margin so we could give outside the four walls of our church so we could bless the city. And on October 3rd, 2016, as I was processing this, God spoke in my heart as I was reading Proverbs chapter 3, bring the tithe into the storehouse and I will bless your barns to where they overflow. I said, God, what do you you want us to do? And God said this, give 10% of everything that comes in in 2017 outside the four walls of the church. When I shared that with our team, they said, Ed, we... We've never heard of anything like that. I said, we're going to tithe, which, by the way, the word tithe means 10%. I said, we're going to tithe from the tithe. So when people tithe to the church, we're going to tithe on the tithe, and it's going to go outside the four walls of this church. When I shared that with the church, the end of 2016 going into 2017, I still could read this letter in my mind. Someone wrote me a letter and said, you are the biggest fool. You owe $19 million, and whatever comes in, you're going to give 10% away. I read through that letter. You would be better served to apply that 10% to the debt. But see, I'd read God's word, and i begin to look at Malachi chapter 3 that says, Test me. The only place in the Bible that, the, that God says, Test me, is in the area of finances. And I just said, God, your name and reputation is on the line. But can I say this to you? And I need you to know, for some of you that are new to CBC, this is what you're stepping into in regards to a church family that believes in debt-free living. We had a $19 million debt load at the Gold Canyon campus. And the moment we made a decision to allocate 10% to go outside the four walls of this church, 2017, 2018. At the end of 2018, we were completely debt free as a church in two years, $19 million. So we made a decision for 2019 in this year. If God could do that with 10%, then why stop now? So we made a commitment in 2019 to give 15% and we take the 5% to go specifically to building Emmett Park on the Gold Canyon campus that would be completely a gift to the city, paid for in cash, that people could use the park. They don't have to go to CBC. Matter of fact, even at the Gold Canyon campus, we we're like, hey, listen, we got to get used to the fact in our five services here, if there are people at the park, that's why the park exists. Why? Because the park is a statement of radical generosity. Our facilities are a, a statement of radical generosity. It's open-handed living. Why? We give not to get. We give because the greatest joy as a follower of Jesus is watching people receive. That's the gift. So I want to do something that's going to be a little bit different tonight. I mentioned to you at the very beginning of the message that we don't take offerings. But the only time we have ever taken an offering was in 2017 at the Gold Canyon campus. And just last weekend at the Gold Canyon campus again. And we took an offering. And the offering was for the needs of people in the room. So I need you to trust me, though we just met tonight, that we are going to do something that's going to be a little bit outside maybe of our comfort zone. We're going to take an offering. But I want to be very clear. The offering is not going to anything In regards to the programming or personnel of this church, the offering is going to go to meet the needs of people that are in this room tonight. You're not an accident in this space. And God has entrusted to us the opportunity to care for those that God has put into this space. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite our worship team to come join me on stage. I'm going to ask that you would think through this. What is it that God would lay upon your heart to give generously towards meeting the needs of somebody in this room that you don't even know? Could it be that God could use your sacrificial gift to bless somebody in this space tonight? So what we're going to do is we're going to pass not an offering plate. We're very intentional even with what we're passing around. They're old school Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets. Because we don't want anybody to think, okay, so now they're going to start taking an offering every single week. No. We're very intentional to use something temporary. So we remove the KFC logos off of them. We put the CBC sticker on them. And in just a few moments, once more, don't feel obligated to give. You don't have to give. But if you would like to give, understand what you're giving is going to meet the need of somebody in this room. And here's the caveat. Tonight. And we're going to get the joy of watching people receive in just a few moments. So would you trust me on this first wave of this offering? So this is going to be an opportunity where I pray. Our ushers are going to help us pass the offering bucket as soon as I say amen. If you would like to put something inside those offering buckets, feel the freedom to do so. And then I'm going to ask our ushers, once you've collected that, I'm going to ask that you would wait. And then I'm going to ask you to come to the front in just a few moments. So when our ushers get ready today as we receive an offering to meet the needs of people in this place. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the spirit of God that's at work and alive in this space and place. And God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to participate in giving tonight. And we want to do it radically. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the offering buckets are passed, stay seated.
0: Thank you for listening to the CBC The Rim podcast. If you like the message, then check us out at cbctherim.com. There you can learn more about our gathering times, upcoming events, or how to get more involved. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CBC The Rim. Thanks for listening.